For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, it's Eric Fisher from Social Media Marketing, uh, so Social Media Examiner, geez. I'm, I'm so used to saying Social Media Marketing World this week, and here's why. We've got this huge deal. I'll tell you about it later. Anyway, this is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. We have lots of words, social media and marketing and show and all these other things. This is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Welcome. I am Eric Fisher, host for the day, and my co-host is Kim Reynolds. This is the show where marketers uh, look to stay on the leading edge of social media. Everything changes every single week. We cover that social media news that broke in the last few days. We bring it to you. We package it up after we've analyzed it, and then we bring guests to further analyze it and break it down. On today's show, we're going to explore Twitter expanding their character count to 280 characters with Madeline Sklar. We will talk about Snapchat's upcoming redesign and algorithm with Carlos Gill. And we're going to talk about some Facebook Messenger updates and all the other breaking social media news of the week. Before we get into that, I want to say thank you to you for watching and listening and encourage you to share this show in whatever way you are consuming it right now, whether that's Facebook, Crowdcast, LinkedIn, Twitter, Periscope. Uh, I'm probably missing something else. Podcast, even if you're listening, hit share and tell people about this show. So with that, let's get on in to the meat of our first segment. I'm going to bring up our first guest already waiting in the wings, Madeline Sklar. Wings is appropriate. We're talking Twitter. So Madeline, they did it. Twitter did it. They said that they might do it and then they did do it and then they made everybody happy and angry and sad and (laughs) I I don't know what else, but break it down. Tell us specifically what has happened. Oh my gosh, it's big news this week. Well, first of all, I am broadcasting. Uh, I'm not at my office. I'm at uh, Houston Social Media Breakfast. So sorry for any background noise. Twitter made big changes this week. On Tuesday, they expanded from 140 to 280 characters. So you are so right, Eric. They mentioned this back in September that they were testing it, and people were getting a little up in arms about it. More, you know, some were on the fence, some were excited, uh, but now they've made it where we all have it, and it's interesting to see what are people's thoughts. I did a Twitter poll. And I've gotten 566 votes. And let me give you this breakdown of what people think, because this is a a large segment of my community chiming in. 
27% love it, 29% hate it, and 44% are on the fence. Wow. And so I've been talking to people to see, like, you know, I got 100 comments in there, and I'm asking people, what are your thoughts? What do you think? And so many people, and myself included, have been on the fence about this, but as we're using it, we're trying it out, it's not actually that bad. It's actually kind of cool to be able to you know, finish a thought, to go beyond the 140, but not necessarily to go use 280. 280 is a lot to look at. And it was interesting last night, I went into the feed and I felt like I was on Facebook because of all these long tweets that are out there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Twitter says, hey, we're trying to make this easier on everybody, Let, especially new people, to be able to have a complete thought. And they also say that this fun, this excitement will wear off and that people will go back to the 140. So yeah. we'll kind of wait and see if that's going to happen. We've seen a lot of people who have tweeted out uh, different versions of comedic poking fun at the 280 characters. They're, you know, counting down the 280 with all 280 of them with spaces, you know, one, two, three, you know, different things like that. But my personal experience with this so far, because I would have, I originally was on that in that on the fence part of your poll where I didn't know if I liked it or hated it. I just didn't know yet. And yeah. I would say that I've now, I would now count myself in the I like it. And okay. And originally I would have said, you don't need to make this change uh, back before they made it. Now I'm glad they made it. And I think really what it came down to was is I wanted to see pers personal experience, firsthand experience going through as a consumer and an interactor on Twitter to see how it felt to see those longer tweets, even the longest of the long tweets, uh, using all 280 right. characters and media and, you know, all of the above that you can include in a tweet. See what it felt like with those going by and see if they were going to do like a fold up kind of a thing where you'd have to, you know, click to read more, which which we now know isn't part of it. And, and I got to say, going through the newsfeed, it's not obtrusive. Like it doesn't feel like those longer or slightly larger than normal tweets are overbearing or, or whatever is, I mean, what's your feeling when it comes to that, Madeline? I, I totally agree. And Twitter made an interesting remark about that. If you do a Twitter poll or a Twitter with an image, a tweet is going to be long. So we're already used to seeing a longer tweet in our feed. So now that we can create 280 characters and get creative, this is a tweet I did. I want, I've been experimenting, basically. So I'm getting creative, and I was promoting my Twitter chat the other night, and I thought, well, what if I try to do this with a couple of paragraphs and bullet points? You know, how can I make this look more appealing and utilize this extra space? So I think this tweet's a great example. And this, by the way, is Craig Carpenter and I mm -hmm. at Social Media Marketing World in 2016. Nice. So I wanted to point that out. We were at the conference. It was the first time we met. And uh, I think this tweet is a great example of how you can use this for good, that you can get your point across, you can you know, explain things more fully. So I, I think this is going to be good. And you know what I think I'm going to do, Eric, is go do the poll again now that we've all been using this for a few days. And I have a feeling we're going to see more of the I like it because now I, I'm the same. I want to go from I'm on the fence to I'm starting to like it. Now, am I going to do 280 every day in my tweets? No. And I don't think most people will. But at least now we can get a little bit more creative. Yeah, I agree. And there's times where especially – 
when you, Madeline, I know you and I are big advocates for using Twitter, not just to promote your content, although it's good for that, but to especially interact. And how often have we gotten to the point where we're hitting reply to reply to somebody and then we're struggling about how to say what we want to say because we can't fit all of our thought in and then we have to hit reply again and then do another one and another one maybe. And I I really think that now with these extra characters, we've, we've got that ability. They, they've won me over. Like I I'm, you know what, this doesn't feel when you experience it for a while, it does not feel like it is going against the brevity factor of Twitter. I think that's still intact. What do you think? I think so too. And I think the more people are exposed to this and they try it out themselves and they'll see, you know, people are going to be playful and they're going to do one letter on every line just to see what they can do to get out of it. I see a lot of emojis and getting super creative, but making a super, super long tweet that takes up so much of the stream. So I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for people to see how can they use this to best suit their business, their personal brand in a way that that works for for what Twitter is letting us do now. So yeah. with this with this two eighty. So, but I I would have liked a more button, and I think Mike talked about that a lot. He had me yes. on last time when when they were experimenting with this in September, and we talked about you know maybe there would be a more, and that's right. He was like actually doing that whole more thing, and actually came up with a hashtag for it. Now that I think about it. Uh, that would be perfect because I host two very popular Twitter chats. How is this going to affect our chats now when people can do these really, really long tweets? It's already hard enough to go through and look at 140 characters. Right. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that's going to unfold. I'll be interested to see how that plays out as well. I, I personally don't think you need the more button anymore that we kind of said we wanted or maybe thought would, would be interesting. Um, I like that it doesn't feel like it's bogging down the the feed, at least to me. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's another whole poll. But uh, well, and you know what's interesting? So I had my Twitter Smarter Chat yesterday, and so everybody has the 280, and it was interesting to get some feedback. Now, people that were using TweetDeck said TweetDeck shows the whole 280, and you know you're in a column, so you can imagine trying to look at your small. Yeah. You know, not very wide column, and you're seeing a full 280, and then if there's an image on there, it's even longer. Uh, but I use TweetChat.com, and one of the great things about TweetChat is that they truncate it, so you're only seeing, like, it looks like maybe the, it doesn't even show the whole 140, it shows, okay. like, maybe about 120. So if you want to be on a Twitter chat and, and feel like you could have a more button, then TweetChat.com would be a great way to go, is browser only, and the beauty is when you see a tweet, and you can... And it doesn't show you images. It'll show a link if there's an image. You can tap on the timestamp, and it'll take you to Twitter uh, where you will see the whole tweet. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Go ahead. Hey, Ryan here Ryan here has a great question, and he said, um, is this really going to make any difference to the stalled growth of Twitter? And, you know, what do you think about that, Madeline? Do you think that this is something that's going to help onboard new users and because it's going to be more familiar to them because they're used to having more space to write? Or do you think that this is just... I think so, because I'm already hearing from new users saying that they like this. When I was going through the comments from my poll, everyone who's new or newer, we're all saying, this is great. I love it because 
This is what's more familiar for them. They're not used to 140 characters. They don't understand how to be concise. You got the old timer saying, all we know is concise over here and we want that. So it's interesting to see that new users are really enjoying this. Yeah. Um, do you have any information? Do, do you have any information on how they reached this verdict, this decision? Like, you know, they've been doing a lot of testing and there are some articles that some of the developers put out uh, that talks about this. I don't know if you guys have. I know there was a medium link uh, uh, that uh, one of the developers put out some interesting information. I, I can find that link and share it. Um, I think Grace has it. Okay. Um, they, they this, you know, when they do these changes, they don't do it lightly. They really take their time and they experiment heavily with it. And they were looking at the statistics of how many people are trying to hit the 140. And what's that percentage? Because they know if they're hitting the 140 they probably want to go over 140 versus right. the people that don't. And so the interesting thing, and I have the numbers right here, um, they said that uh, 5% of tweets were going longer, trying to go longer than the 140, uh, whereas only 2% were going over 190. Um, and so now that they've expanded it, they said that only 1% actually go to the 280. So, you know, they're looking at how this is really working out extensively like they you know they're they're trying it out doing the numbers and seeing you know okay. what works and what doesn't and that's that's the that's basically based off of the people that they were allowing to have the 280 and they were seeing how they yeah. were using it to see whether it's worth it and yeah those are actually pretty yeah. interesting numbers so um, and not too many people have it yes May I have a question? So you know how when Facebook comes out with a new feature, it tends to get preference in the news feed. Do you in in Twitter obviously has an algorithm? So do you feel like um, these longer tweets, people that are utilizing the more space and and more characters in their tweets, do you think they're going to get preference in Twitter's feed? I don't know. You know, Twitter, they're always shrouded in mystery when it comes to these features. And that is such a great question. And I, I don't know the answer. Um, it's possible that they will. But at this time, there's no data to support if that's happening. Yeah. That's a great um, question. We've got other Twitter news, so we better jump into that. So we what's this? And there's more. And you and experienced this. So t tell us what this is and then tell us what your experience with this is. We're talking about Twitter launching a self-serve advertising subscription tool. And uh, oh, one more thing I want to point out while you have this slide up, going back to the 280. Here's something that's interesting, too. When you're doing a longer tweet, whether you're on a browser or on the mobile, this is showing mobile. This is really interesting. They're not telling you how many characters you're typing. And I think it's a ploy to get you to yeah. go over the 140. Not till you get down to like get, the very end, When you right? get to 20. Yeah, when you get to the end, when you're at 20 characters, all of a sudden it pops up at the bottom right. You see a circle, and you can see that at the bottom right. It shows a circle that starts going around as you're typing. It's kind of letting you know how close. Once it's full circle, you're at the 280. But when you have 20 characters left, it pops up and lets you know. So the workaround is to use Hootsuite or use Buffer, all the third-party tools. I've, I've done the research. All I meant to tell you guys, all the third-party apps and tools, they've all integrated it. Yeah. They were not integrated initially. I think Twitter surprised everybody because nobody was doing it, uh, had, had it ready. So I thought that was quite interesting. Although Hootsuite, we're still waiting on Hootsuite. 
Hootsuite's oh. the only one that still everybody else got got on board quick, and that's rare. So, uh, but yeah, so what's the deal? What's the impressed. deal with uh, the self serve advertising subscription tool that they've yeah, been talking about? This here? is interesting. So uh, this has come out into uh, into a public beta. There was a private beta, and I was part of it back in August, where it's very interesting. They're letting you do basically automated. Twitter ads off of your tweets. And so what they do is they take your first 10 tweets of the day, as long as they qualify, they can't be gifts. They have to be, you know, regular tweets with or without images, but they have to go along the guidelines of no profanity, no retweets, no replies, just really good tweets that you put out. They're going to take those 10 and they're going to convert those to uh, sponsored. They're going to have a little badge on it that they say that they're sponsored tweets. And they're just automated. You don't have to do a thing, but it's going to cost you $99 a month. The only thing you can do as far as targeting, you get, and this is only for U.S. and U.K. right now, and okay. it's going to come out to Japan pretty soon, but at this time, U.S. and U.K. only. You can um, do this by um, uh, an interest group. So in the interest group, they already have like, I don't know, maybe 20 interest groups, and you can pick up to five. Well, when I did this, the only one that applied to me was business. And that's so generic. Yeah. So when I did this, it was business, U.S. only. That was it. So any, tw- any of the first 10 tweets of the day, that's the, the, I'm basically getting more eyeballs on it. That's all it is. And I don't have to do anything. Now, if you would rather it be viewed by specific areas, let's say you're a local business, you can do this um, with uh, metro locations or regions in a selected country. So there's not a lot of flexibility here. For $99 a month, you can certainly try it out and see if you feel like it's worth it. They're showing you an example here with the numbers. They're saying on average, you'll get 30,000 reach. So you'll get seen by 30,000 profiles and that you should get about 30 new followers in the month. Now with mine in August, my numbers were 30,000 was the reach, so that was on point. I got a total of 49 new followers, so a little bit more than the average. And they will also let you know what the profile visit. So how many people went to your profile? And it said I got an extra 35,000. Now, as a power user, I already get tens of thousands of profile views right. uh, or visits so th- this would be nice to get some extra but did it translate into anything no i did not get any sales off of this i got a few extra eyeballs a few extra followers I-, I would not pay the 99 dollars a month i got to do it for free for one month that was enough for me to try it and say hey in my personal opinion i would rather take the 99 dollars and go put out a couple of really good compelling Twitter ads that I can highly target. Yeah. And I think that is money well spent. And it's not yeah. super timely. I think they're trying to make this easy for us. You know, with Facebook, you just tap a button, you now have a promoted post, right? It's super easy. You don't have to do the heavy lifting. So I think what Twitter is trying to do is come up with a strategy 
for advertising that simple and easy is an automated, always on solution. The the way you turn it off and on is you simply talk. There's a toggle switch on your mobile phone in the app, and that's it. It's super huh. simple and easy. But you know, is it worth spending the money? It's up to you to try and see. Yeah, it seems. My personal opinion is, it seems like it's a lot more costly than it needs to be without giving yes. the granularity of choice and. I mean, I, I, my, my initial impression was that it was going to be some sort of boosting of your posts or your tweets to your existing followers and or beyond, but it doesn't seem like it's even doing that to make sure even the people that follow you already see your stuff. Right. So right. Yeah. a couple, you know, but yeah, maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll up it. I don't know. Maybe they'll provide more value to make it worth the 99 or lower the price a little bit or give granularity. I don't know. Well, it is still in beta, so okay. you know it, it, that could change. And my understanding right now is you still have to be invited. I have not figured out a way to actually go in, like because I've done it, I could continue back on, but I don't want to. But for another one of my profiles, I got an email invitation this week, but I haven't heard from others that they're able to access this. So I'm not really clear at this time, is this truly public for everyone? I think it's still, they're picking and choosing. And all of this came about this week because they just launched the third quarter earnings and they have shown for the last, I think it was the last four quarters, they've had a decline in ad revenue. So they're trying to come up with a way to bring in ad revenue. And this could work in their favor if people think that this could benefit them. So it could work for some people. In my case, it didn't really work out. Yeah. It looks like you can ask to be part of it. So we do have a link we can share for people if they'd like okay. to uh, do that. Um, but Madeline, again, been awesome talking with you. Uh, I want everybody to go check your stuff out, what you're doing with your Twitter chats and everything else. Let's uh, tell people where they can find you so they can continue on in this Twitter conversation. Yeah, sure. My website is madelinesclar.com and I do host two Twitter chats, Twitter Smarter and Social ROI. I have all the information on my website. And if you want to read an article I put out yesterday talking about the Twitter 280 and my thoughts on it and how it can benefit you, go to my website, madelinesclar.com. It's right at the top or just go to madelinesclar.com slash brevity and that'll get you to the article because it's all about the brevity. Yes. Awesome. Madeline, thank you so much for being here and sharing with us. We'll see you uh, hopefully next time with some more Twitter news. Bye, Madeline. Bye, Madeline. All right. So, uh, yeah, check out, make sure to check out Madeline's stuff and follow along with this Twitter conversation. Uh, before we bring up Carlos Gill, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Social Media Marketing World. I have to say we've got a brand new ticket. For you, the people who maybe can't afford to go all access or even creator ticket, but want to get in the door, it's the unconferencing ticket. It's not officially called that. It's called the community ticket, though. And uh, it today is $197 Friday, uh, November 10th. Pacific time, midnight, like this is when the sale ends. It gets you into the 90,000 square foot uh networking plaza, which is almost double the size of previous uh, networking plazas uh, that we've had at our conference. Uh, You get in all four keynotes and you get into all the digital networking that we do prior to uh, the conference. You've got to check it out at smmw18.com. 
I'm really excited for the opportunity that this ticket is going to give people who maybe would like to interact and network, but they it's not in their budget to go to the full conference, especially for local people. I think it's an, a really exciting option for people that live in the San Diego, Orange County, LA area that can drive down every day. They don't mm-hmm. they don't want to invest in a hotel or, or airfare, but they can come in and they can network in the networking plaza. They can listen to the keynotes. I think it's, it's going to give a, a whole new opportunity for people that otherwise would be left out. Yeah. It, it's a great opportunity. Again, you'll, you'll miss it. If you don't grab it today, we've got a limited amount. The sale ends today, but uh, mm-hmm. you might miss it because a lot of people may have snapped it up already. So again, SMMW18.com is how you take part. And and many people here in the chat on the live show are saying that the networking and the people are some of their or their actual favorite part of the conference. So Carlos, welcome. Thanks yes. for being here with us. It's going well. All right. Uh, let's shift gears and then come back around to the Facebook stuff later. Um, so a lot of people are talking about Snapchat and they had a, a quarter three 2017 earnings call uh, this past week and they announced a couple of different things or maybe more than that. Um, <laughs> why don't you start breaking this down for this for us and let's uh, let's have a conversation about this. Well, you know, I was, I was really enjoying Madeline's talk on Twitter and Snapchat didn't have as positive of a week as Twitter did. In fact, they had their, their quarterly earnings and they indicated, first of all, that they lost over $40 million. That's $40 million on spectacles. At this time last year, put it in perspective, at this time last year, we were all going bananas trying to acquire spectacles. Now they can't even get rid of them. They can't sell them. So $40 million lost. Um, that, was, that was the first. Uh, the second is a redesign of the entire platform is forthcoming. Uh, they're doing this as a way that they say to attract older users. I don't know if I so much like how they phrase it as yeah. they're trying to attract older users. I, uh, sure, quite sure. frankly, yeah, quite frankly, I think, and <clears throat> apologies, guys, I'm coming down with a little cold here. So oh, you're good. My, yeah, my voice is a little hoarse. But, you know, they, they feel that their platform from the feedback that they've heard from you know, older users, which I think, uh, I think a lot of professionals out there in the space just give this advice that Snapchat's platform is not as intuitive and easy to use as, say, Twitter or Facebook. I disagree with that. I think that Snapchat's one of the easiest platforms to use because when you really look at it, you're just swiping up and down and left and right. There's not a lot of clicking. There's not a lot to see on your, on your screen. Uh, so a redesign's coming in December. Then the third is they're, they're implementing an algorithm. So very similar to the likes of what we see on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram with the new Snapchat algorithm. Snapchat will ensure that when you log in, that you're going to be seeing content from those individuals that you engage with the most, individuals are closest to you on maps, and that they're feeding you essentially content of the accounts that you want to see. When it comes to this redesign, have they given any indication as to what kind of a redesign or how they're going to lay out things differently for people to, I don't know, understand it better? Because I'll admit, I was one of those people when I first got into Snapchat, I was like, I don't know what I can even do or where to go to do it. Um, I think that that barrier to entry over time has worn off because we've gotten more used to creating vertical video and and swiping left and right, like you said, and up and down to get to those other parts of an app um, over time. But have they given any indication? They've given no indication. My 
prediction is that they'll probably go towards more of an Instagram newsfeed where you'll be able to see content load up on your screen. And as you start swiping or scrolling down, it'll just take you to the next story in the sequence. That's at least what I hope that they do. Um, you know, I, I think that Snapchat's towing a very fine line here because it's no secret that they're getting their teeth kicked in by Instagram. Um, you know, we see the numbers, they're not growing at the rate that Instagram is growing. So from my perspective, why mess up a good thing with changing your design when you, what you really should do is find ways to grow more users and get the users that you do have more visibility on their content. Mm -hmm. Well, and then that harkens to the algorithm that they're talking about so that you will be able to see what people that you are following or that are following you. Likewise, we've been able to see, have they given any indication in that direction as to how they're going to make that work? I would assume maybe again, since you're talking about that redesign and maybe a news feed of some sort that the algorithm would uh, come into play more so with that. I know that a big uh, part of what Snapchat's trying to push is maps. And I'll show you guys, I'm currently in San Francisco. I've been here all week for, for a conference and I've actually been using maps this week to see who in San Francisco I'm connected to on Snapchat. And I've really immersed myself in using maps to see local businesses that are nearby who's creating content, which is really fascinating for those of you that are out there on the brand side or have a small business is they've, Snapchat has recently through maps made discoverability of content so much easier than there ever has been before. Literally, I was in uh, San Francisco in one part of the city and I was able to see stories of people that I don't follow referring to businesses from all over the city. So I think a big play with their algorithm is going to be maps, which is serving you content of either businesses that are advertising and getting your feed, businesses that are nearby, or even other people that you might not necessarily be connected to, or if you are, those that are near. Because let's think about it. If you know Kim is in San Diego and Kim starts seeing a bunch of content from others that she follows in the San Diego market, you know, think about the from the community building aspect of how that would bring Kim closer together with people that are creating stories content that's more relevant to her because it's what's happening in her neighborhood as opposed to seeing content from people all over the world interesting yeah it makes yeah. me feel like it's a cross between say well no i it feels like yeah what you're saying is, is if they were to go almost into a you know if you if you go back 10 years and go back to foursquare if foursquare had you know people as they were out and about checking into all these places creating content as they were doing it and that was all in just this yeah. one app I, that would that somewhat be appealing to me i think actually yeah i agree because foursquare now has integration within snapchat mm -hmm. so i like to you know now that i've been spending more time using maps I've also been using the paid ads product for Snapchat. I would liken Snapchat to be compared to its Yelp with a storytelling component. Yeah. So you ah. as a business are going to have people coming to your business and they're creating content and they're going to tag your business while they're at that location. That content doesn't go away. So if you look at, for example, the San Diego Convention Center right now on Snapchat, you can see content that people have created over the last few days while at the San Diego Convention Center, which is very similar to, again, taking the likes of Yelp. You can read reviews on Snapchat local businesses now, and now you can see content that people have created. Very similar, to put it into you know layman terms for this audience here, very similar to how Instagram. You can go on Instagram, you can look up a location. And then you can see everyone that's posted content at that particular location yeah. to then determine if it's somewhere that you want to go visit or not. Yeah. Um, I know Snapchat's also proposing some more distribution and monetization uh, opportunities for top creators. Talk to us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So, you know, once again, it's no secret that YouTube has been able to pull a lot of creators over their way because, you know, they have the monetization component. You know, we see creators like Sean Duras, who I know is a speaker at Social Media Marketing World, and he's made a you know, monumental pivot from Snapchat over to YouTube. A lot of creators, even myself, you know, I've made a pivot over to YouTube with my channel, Carlos Gill TV, over the last year. And it's not so much because there's a monetization play. It's because YouTube gives creators like Sean and myself and others out there distribution on a wider level that Snapchat doesn't give us because let's face it, with Snapchat, you're really you know restricted to how people can discover you, how they can see your content. Whereas with YouTube, it's out there. YouTube's owned by Google. So if you're creating content and indexing it correctly, people can find it. It's nice also to make money. Let's not, you know, let's not go ahead and, and get that wrong. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to reel, and when I'm saying they, Snapchat, they're trying to reel the creator community to come back into Snapchat through a play of monetization, through a play of also featuring creators. Um, I know Cyrene Q is, you know, a, a, an awesome creator on Snapchat. Shauna Yal is another great creator on Snapchat. And these are the creators that essentially keep that, uh, you know, Snapchat community of artists and, and you know, visual creators alive. I think they really need to support them because if not, you're going to start seeing these talented individuals doing the same thing they do on Snapchat over on Instagram not before long. Can you give your personal experience or not uh, your personal perspective, I should say, being one of those Snapchat people who went over to YouTube? What would it take you to, quote, come back to Snapchat? So I've never left Snapchat. Right. I'm kind of being facetious, but yeah. But I will say for those that follow me very closely, uh, I like to call them the Snapchat fam. There's also now a Gram fam. So there's a community that I've built on Instagram. There's a community that I've built on YouTube. The beauty about this is you have some overlap, but you're reaching different pockets. This is what I like to call being omni-channel present, which is we're all a brand, but using these mediums to be able to reach different pockets of people. I think if Snapchat were to have features more in the likes of Instagram, where I could index content that's going to stick around for the long haul, that'll motivate me to ensure that every single time I create a new vlog, every time I have a new speaking engagement, a new piece, I'm creating micro content that's going to live around on Snapchat. So, you know, what's great about YouTube is your content lives out there and it can be found, it can be searched. You don't have that today with Snapchat. I think if Snapchat were to bring those features into their ecosystem, it would motivate not just creators like me, they're creating more professional B2B and business content. It wouldn't just motivate us to, to be much more active on Snapchat, but I think it would motivate the Sean Durises and Sean Ayals of the world to have more of an active presence there because once again, you're investing time. I think that's something, I don't want to kind of deviate from this, but I think that's something a lot of folks lose sight on. As a creator, you know, it looks easy to just pick up a phone and talk, but you're actually really thinking through what's the story I want to tell? What's the action I want people to take at the very end of this? How am I going to go ahead and tell the story from A to Z? It's what's called storyboarding, having a beginning, middle, and end. That takes time. And if you're taking all this time to then create and that content disappears, that's where as a creator, you start to feel that maybe YouTube's a better place for me. Maybe even Facebook's a better place for me. Interesting. Yeah. I think you're, you're voicing a lot of the opinions of the people who couldn't stick with Snapchat long-term because of those same reasons. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Uh, we didn't have any kind of timetable, they said, right, about any of these changes with the algorithm or the redesign, right? Just we coming? Not, it's, it's honestly very hypothetical. Okay. And I would imagine we'll probably wake up one day and Snapchat will be redesigned and our entire community will be screaming about it <laughs> I'm on the side. i love jed records comment that instagram is bringing the parents back over to instagram um I'll, I'll say this you know in terms of having the lion's share of generation z and young millennials 
I, I want to like really emphasize young millennials. I'm a millennial. I'm an older millennial. Um, if you want to reach someone between the age of probably, I'd say, 13 years old, uh, maybe even a little younger, because my kids that are 12 and 9 are on Snapchat, if you want to reach that younger audience all the way up to someone that's probably 24, 25 years old, there's a lot of value still on, on Snapchat. And I think by them continuing to roll out advertising products, being able to go ahead and link up Foursquare with businesses all over the world and make sure that the content created at those businesses sticks around, that to me is a huge win. But it goes back to something that's marketing 101, which is knowing your audience. And over the last couple of years, I've heard so many marketers put down Snapchat because they realize their audience is not on Snapchat. So if you have a younger audience and you're trying to penetrate that younger audience that probably isn't paying attention to you on Facebook or on Twitter even, then Snapchat's the place to go. And I do applaud Snapchat for, you know, not shying away from the fact that they are, you know, getting their teeth kicked in by Instagram, but also be willing to pivot. Uh, I think they realize that it's important that you not just grow your business on the backs of 16 and 20 year olds, but if you want to get CMOs to start investing in ads, you have to make the platform very easy and intuitive for them to use and understand. Yeah. Well, let's right. hoping that they they can figure out their path forward for sure. Uh, Carlos, as usual, great talking with you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Glad it worked Thank out. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah. You know what? You can find me always on Snapchat, the Carlos Gill. I also have a new Facebook page for my company, which is Gill Media Co. Be sure to check it out. Give us a like. And I appreciate all of you for having me back on the show. I miss Mike. If he's watching somewhere, I miss he Mike. Was. <laughs> I hope we can wake up soon. And uh, once again, I look forward to uh, seeing all of you at Social Media Marketing World 2018. Awesome. Woo. Yeah. Maybe this redesign will be out there by then. And then we'll have people, you know, you people will be scrapping their, uh, you know, no, their sessions and redoing things last I minute as usual because we stay on top of it. Talk. So actually, no, Social Media Marketing World is end of February. So yeah. it'll be nine days of talk about the new Snapchat interface. And I look yeah. forward to chatting it up with all of you watching here today across Facebook and here on Crowdcast. So thank yeah. you so much, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Carlos. Thank Thanks you. for being here, Carlos. Bye. All right. Yeah, we were alluding to it, but yeah, if the changes happen that quickly uh, in the social media realm that, you know, we come here week over week and bring the news. But then when you want to actually teach about it and give guidance on it, like we have all those top speakers do, things change so quickly. It's funny how within the week up to the conference that we get changes in things happening uh, and then they have to tweak their talks and things like that. And so it just happens last minute stuff like that. But anyway, uh, you got to be there. It's because it's at it's cutting edge. It's bleeding edge. It's it's covering the latest and greatest at that moment, literally. And uh, be there. SMMW 1718.com. SMMW 18.com. I said, I said, SMW. <laughs> my God. Anyway, SMMW18.com. And with that, let's cover some of this stuff that we were uh, talking about earlier. So the Facebook Messenger okay. stuff, where'd we leave off? Well, um, we left off talking that saying that Facebook has announced it in the coming months that all advertisers, this is not something new. We've already discussed this that you can send sponsored messages, but in the coming months, all advertisers will be able to send sponsored messages to anyone that they've previously um, communicated with okay. in Messenger. If you look here on the left, this Jasper's Market message, the sponsored message, mm -hmm. it doesn't even show sponsored. It just blends right in with all of the other messages. Like it's just a 
it's very native looking, right? Yeah, it it looks just like you're having a conversation with a friend. It just happens to be a brand. So Right. And so, and then on the the right image, you can see here that once you click on it, it opens up and you, you get this nice ad unit and you get different call to actions that you can choose. So a couple things to keep in mind about this particular type of ad, this sponsored message is that you don't have to worry about being spammed because a business can't send a sponsored message to you unless you've already previously opened a message thread with them. And users have full control to block any of those mm-hmm. message and from from businesses they don't want to hear from. So this really is um it's a great it's a great ad unit and I love the way that they're just integrating it so tightly with regular messages. Okay. So that's that's the first part of right. our messenger. And then the next thing we have is Facebook has announced a plugin, a website plugin for Messenger. And you can see it here in the image, but a new customer service chat plugin that allows third-party website visitors to engage with the business or brand using the Messenger platform. So right now it's in beta, but you can see from the picture here, this is somebody's website and this, this chat window floats on top of the website. And when you when you have a when you start a message thread you can go to facebook and the same message thread is going to be in your messenger yeah so it's it's very consistent and it helps take that message from your website to Facebook and back again. We're all really familiar with, you know, we're on a retailer's website of some sort and, it, and a pop-up may come up and it says, hey, how can I help right. you today? And we chat with them, but it stays there on the site. This, however, right. is integrated with Facebook Messenger and their Facebook page. And so one, it pops up and offers help um, and initiates that messaging sequence or that messaging um, channel so that- right. They then can write to you, you know, as a as a business, you can then write to that consumer uh, later. But it also makes it so that you could continue that conversation. Like once you've started on the site, mobile and desktop, mm-hmm. which I think we've got images for. Um, so let's right. show that. Um, it then means you can take it with you on the go, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I don't see. Um, it, let me see if this is the. Oh, so this is the mobile version of it. Um, and I mean, I think that it's great because you don't lose that conversation, Yeah, you know, and and, and other times if you were on their website and you leave, then the conversation is gone, but now it travels with you to Facebook and you can keep it forever. And then you, the business gets the opportunity then to send a sponsored message to follow up. Mm -hmm. So, um, Uh, Amanda Robinson in the chat was saying as an advertiser, I love this as a consumer, I hate this. And I, I, I'm of that same kind of mixed feeling, although I'm looking at it more, um, uh, preferably as a consumer than at first, because sometimes this is going to be quicker than calling and getting through the phone tree and dialing this for this and hitting this for this. But a chat bot, it's like, no, I want my, you know, uh, it gives you the options and you tap it and it, and it's quicker. So I don't know. I could see this being even more informative or helpful than that. So. As, oh. a, as a consumer, as a consumer, I love it because then you can follow <laughs> through on those messages. Like say you, you, you were talking with Verizon or whoever, you can go back and look at that message there and be like, Hey, you know, yeah, you you've also got a record that, right there. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. So I, Good call. I, I like it. Yeah. And, um, our next little bit of uh, messenger news, because there's a lot of it is that Facebook has rolled out newsfeed ads with direct links to messenger experience. Now, 
we've had these ads. Yeah. So this isn't completely new, but it is being rolled out to more people. And so now, according to Facebook, with this, they're calling it a new ad format. It combines the audience targeting and the selection capabilities of ads on the newsfeed with the identity and canon. Can- Canonical. I can't pronounce it. I'm so sorry. Canonical. Just, is that how it is? Thank you. Yes. It is. It is. But I cannot manage to say that so word today. Looked, in other words, Thank it you. looks like it's native. It looks like it fits exactly. in with the newsfeed. Okay. Yeah. And um, so it's going to be available to all advertisers. So we've already had, uh, some of us have already had exposure to this ad format with the, the messenger send to messenger newsfeed ads. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to be open to all users. And I, and then again, once you have that ad type, say you have the ad in the newsfeed and you send them to messenger, which is great. Then you can go back and use those sponsored messages to further the conversation. So right. you can see how Facebook is kind of integrating all of these different ad products to work together in a little one-two punch. Somebody else in the chat was and, asking, you know, how long before they char- start charging for this stuff? And uh, I think they maybe want to get you in the door for free and then get you to pay for the ads, but uh, we'll see. Well, you're definitely going to be paying with ads, but yeah. for the user, it'll be free. So, and the fourth little bit of, of messenger news here is that Facebook has... Um, well, they recently partnered with PayPal for peer-to-peer payments in the U.S. Well, this week, Facebook announced that this capability will be expanded to all users in the U.K. and France in the coming weeks. So you can, if you're in the U.K. or France, you can send money to each other. Now, the caveat here is that a person in the U.K. can only send money to another person in the U.K. You can't go across borders. Mm-hmm. But this... I love being able to send payments right within Facebook and that it's integrated with PayPal. I think it's super convenient and there's a lot of good things coming. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a bunch of mentions. Uh, we'll probably move those, move through those a little bit quicker, 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 quickly and quicker. Anyway, so Facebook, uh, and we've got a screen share for this one, uh, courtesy of Matt Navarra, director of social media at The Next Web. Um, Facebook is developing a possible breaking news tag for publisher posts. So this is interesting. Um, Facebook has confirmed that they are testing this breaking news tag, uh, but didn't give any more details. They are a little bit vague about it. But from what you can see in the image, there is a tag there that uh, tags a link as breaking. So my conjecture here is that, you know, if you're actually someone who is sharing actual breaking news, uh, tagging it with that may make it more quickly seen to the right, you know, channels on Facebook right? Uh, to be able to be picked up and then seen. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people would say, you know, tag, you know, would click breaking on status updates and things like that too. So I don't know of what use, use this is or what, what if any background or backend, uh, you know, algorithmic signals this would indicate, but uh, we'll see. Well, Unless Facebook is coming out with a breaking news section, in which case it would be very useful because you can set the expiration of the breaking news. So uh, that would be true. Yeah. To maybe, you know, tag it and say, give it a decay time uh, for exactly. that thing to then yeah. n- then not be uh, breaking, so to speak. So right. uh, Facebook is also possibly testing a red envelope feature. And we have some screen share of that as well. Same uh 
source, Matt Navarra, director of social media at The Next Web. Um, Facebook appears to be taking steps to appeal to users by adding a red envelope feature for gifting cash to friends and family during holidays like Chinese New Year. And Facebook stated that they are always testing new product experiences, but they had nothing specific to talk about about this at this time. Uh, It just became apparent to some of those people. Um, Facebook already offers peer-to-peer payments through Messenger, like we were just literally talking about. Uh, This, however, would be on the main Facebook site which is a little bit more oh. interesting. It's not just inside messenger. Oh. It, it would be uh, potentially public facing. So I'm that, well, that's curious. Just, would, it, would it go through the, would it go through the feed? Like Kim has received a gift. From I know. Eric. I know. Right. Like, wait, yeah. she got a gift from well, how much, what is it for? You're like, yeah. what for? Like, you know, it's, it's all sorts of questions when it comes to that. So we'll see yeah. what happens with that. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't catch that that was on the main the main side and not within Messenger. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So this one is Facebook has added monetization options to instant articles. So Facebook Facebook allows instant article publishers who are using the audience network to uh, push recirculation ads. Well, now you can easily turn them on and off in the new monetization tab. So if you look at the picture here um, and you look on the left-hand side under instant articles, you'll see a new tab called monetization. And then if you look in the main part of the image, it says recirculation ads and a little check bark a checkbox that you can check to turn on the recirculation ads in the article footers. And this is great for people using instant articles because prior to this, you actually had to code in information if you wanted an article to be part of the recirculation. You had to, they could only be turned on by inserting HTML code into the article's markup. So now you can just flip a switch and turn it on. And if there, say you have this this switch flipped and it's on, you can also opt out of certain articles having this option by adding a little bit of code. So this is just making it a lot easier for people who publish instant articles to monetize them. Very cool. Uh, moving through these last uh, mentions much quicker. Uh, Instagram is now allowing users to upload older photos and videos to stories. Previously, up to this point, it's been a 24 hour limit. And this was something that, you know, if you'd have, uh, we, we would do Instagram takeovers and people would send us the stuff. But then if we didn't use it that day, I had to take it off or rename it and all of that. Now they're letting you go back further into your camera rolls than 24 hours to pull videos, images, etc., which is pretty cool. So this is extremely good news for all of us Instagram story users. Cool. Okay. So this is, this is basically the Instagram equivalent of Facebook branded content. And so Instagram has expanded its branded content tool that helps users identify, well, it helps users better identify sponsored posts from celebrities and influencers. So the new tool creates a standardized format that makes it very, very clear that this is a paid partnership. We have an image of a a couple standing in a greenhouse and very clearly it says paid partnership with Jasper Market, San Francisco. So this is, again, the Instagram equivalent of the branded content tool that we have on Facebook. You got to be way more clear than uh, people typically are 
when it comes to these partnerships and these affiliate deals and all that kind of stuff. And right. the F- FTC, uh, you know, will crack down. We'll see. Yeah. So, and this may not even be enough. The FTC I know. said that these types of tools may not even be enough to do that. So yeah, we'll see. Be careful. Uh, Instagram is also testing the ability to view your bookmark post, bookmarked posts on the web. So a while ago, they rolled out the ability to, to bookmark a post, like whether it's yours or whether it's somebody else's, uh, and then go back to that, it, it, almost like the saved feature on Facebook. Well, what they're now uh, allowing you to do or testing you, allowing you to do, and, and I had this, so I took a screen share um, uh, on my account. Like I went to it on desktop and um, be, uh, below my bio, there were two tabs, posts and saved. And when you clicked on saved, it had all those uh, ones that I had saved. And I was like, oh, I forgot I saved that. So that's really cool, especially if you want to scroll through on um, uh, desktop or on mobile and then come back to it and look at it more easily right. on desktop. So this is pretty cool. I like this uh, this feature. This is. So this next one, this is, we're getting a little bit deep in the weeds here for Facebook ads, but what this is going to do is this because for you advertisers, this is going to allow you to optimize your budget at the campaign level instead of the ad set level. So as it is right now, when you run ads, you set your budget, be it daily or lifetime, at the ad set level for each individual ad set. Well, what this is going to allow you to do is set that budget campaign wide, which is encompassing all of the ad sets and let Facebook determine how much each ad set gets depending on how well the ad set is doing. So instead of going in and micromanaging each ad set and and looking and saying, okay, well, I better give this one $10 more, take away 10 here. Facebook is going to allow you to let the campaign automatically manage that budget. So this could be a huge time saver and it could really help optimize those accounts that or those ad set, those campaigns that have a ton of ad sets in them. Interesting. All right. We got a few more and we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Facebook is adding housing listings to Marketplace. Uh, so it, it announced that it's partnering with sources like Apartment List and Zumper, whatever Zumper is. I've never heard of that. Uh, so that they can let property managers pull in hundreds of thousands of housing rentals inside of Marketplace. That'll be interesting. That is. And this is one that I actually discovered um, the other day. I had boosted a post and I noticed that Facebook has now added some additional information underneath the boosted post. And it shows you, you know, what if it was boosted, the active boost, it shows you when it was boosted, the audience that it went to and if it's finished, how long ago the uh, the boost finished, and then you can click a button and get viewed uh, detailed results for your boosted post. So all of this is right there on the actual post. You don't need to go into Ads Manager and look at it. It's right there on the front page. So that's pretty handy for a quick overview. Yeah, uh, I'm going to finish up with these last two LinkedIn ones and call it a show. So LinkedIn okay. has introduced a resume building tool that's integrated into Microsoft Word. So what this does is, is basically because Microsoft owns both LinkedIn and Duh, word, they make it. Uh, it knows your LinkedIn account when you log in and connect those. And so it can pull in as you're making a resume on Word, uh, your LinkedIn credentials and your history and all that. And that's pretty cool. So 
Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're a word user and you want to, if you're needing to get hired and create a resume, this is a pretty cool tool. And then the other thing that they rolled out is a sales navigator light for Gmail. Now, I want to make sure you guys know this is a replacement to an old tool that LinkedIn bought called Reportive. So if you ever used Reportive, this is what this is. And basically, inside of Gmail, this will bring up the contact information for somebody on LinkedIn if you're talking to them via email on Gmail. And there you go. So uh, with that, we will call that a wrap and uh, we will say special thanks to Jeff C for handling the simulcast and uh, Grace Grace Duffy for producing the show and managing in the control room today. You can check out our weekly calendar for this show by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. You can grab the audio podcast of this show by going to iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and just search for uh, social media marketing talk show. You'll find it there. And don't forget to grab your tickets for Social Media Marketing World, whichever ticket you're needing to grab. Typically, a sale is ending Friday. So do this quickly. Go to smmw18.com and grab your ticket. And with that, uh, we will say thank you. And uh, join us next week, by the way, November 17th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. We will drop the links for you in all the social posts and in Crowdcast. And with that, we would like to say thank you and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter, We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.